you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 156 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, I got some A's news from the weekend to catch you up on. Spoiler alert, none of it's good news. Also, I'm going to talk a little bit about the World Series games that we just watched and uh, get you ready for game six and maybe game seven. We'll see. So uh, that's what's coming up on today's episode. But first, before we get started, please make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, as always, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Next week, I'm going to be doing the offseason plan for the A's. So uh, let me know what you would like them to do in the offseason and, uh, you know, what players they should go after, resign, all that stuff. Uh, trades. Trades are always fun. I like speculating on those. So uh, send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. All right. So first things first, the A's cut their business staff by about 30% over the weekend. This is according to the SF Chronicle. Obviously, Susan Slosser has a covered on everything A's, so this is coming from her. Uh, The A's cut their business staff by around 30% over the weekend, and the staff that has been let go had previously been furloughed employees that were informed that they won't be coming back in January, effectively making December 31st their last day of working for the A's. The 30% number works out to about 60 staff members or so, and this is primarily on the ticket sales side of things, so uh, that's all, again, according to Susan Slusser of The Chronicle. And obviously, the A's cutting jobs during this pandemic is a new story that we've heard already, uh, but it sounds as though many clubs are expected to trim their staff by about 10% or so. So the A's 30% came from a specific area, um, and that number is going to be spread a little bit uh, across different departments, so it should be closer to that 10% once things are all said and done. Uh, and I'm obviously not trying to apologize for what they did in any regard and, you know, make them seem like the good guys because they're not. Uh, people need jobs right now, and y- some people have money, and they could make things better for people, but uh, nope, that's not how John Fisher operates. And this always just brings me back to, if you want to be a staple in the community, you have to support the community in which you serve, and uh, this would be an easy example of how to do that, is just keep people employed for a couple of more months, see how things are going, you know, if uh, ticket sales aren't what they should be, then, you know, whatever, but uh, then maybe make that decision, but not at the beginning of the holiday season when people, you know, start buying gifts and all that stuff. This isn't the time to be doing that. It's a selfish move, I think, and I'm going to get into that here in a second. Um, I, I just don't think that falling in line with other billionaire owners is the best look for anybody, and it never will be. So, you know, there's that. Uh, the A statement that uh, is in the Chronicle claims that these cuts are due to uncertainty regarding COVID heading into next year, but it sounds like a very easy excuse to cut costs where they can. And uh, Slusser notes in the article that the staffing levels are closer to what they have been now after these cuts to what they were when Dave Cavill took over. So he's been expanding the marketing department and all that stuff and, uh, you know, adding jobs for the A's. And now with, uh, you know, uncertainty, quote unquote, uh, it, they seem to be cutting costs where they can and doing all that stuff. Uh, I it Sure, whatever. Um, and yes, I get that being able to sell fewer tickets likely requires less staff and the logistics to go along with these decisions and all that stuff. It makes sense, I guess, on paper. But uh, Susan Slusser also notes that the A's are expected to be allowed eleven to 12,000 fans in the stands per game next season and potentially 4,000 more than that. So maybe 16,000 fans 
per game in the stands if they can utilize Mount Davis. And uh, if you if you could have 16,000 fans in the stands on a daily basis, that's not too far off from the 20,000 uh, fan average that the A's had in 2019. So uh, they were able to pay everybody then. Why can't they do it now? This is the... they they. There's not much uncertainty. You got to maximize your profits right now. There's not uncertainty. It, it's right there for you. You got to be able to grab it though. You got to make people want to go to the ballpark and things like this make people not want to go to the ballpark. And you could even argue that the marketing staff is even more important now because you're going to need to sell out every game to maximize your revenues. And it just feels like another case of John Fisher uh, cutting off his nose to spite his face with his nose being the staff and his face being the revenues that he could make if he marketed his club properly and gave them the tools to succeed. It just seems like he likes to cut costs and be like, oh, we're poor because I didn't try. Uh, that's not how you run a team at all. I'm sorry, Mr. Fisher. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, instead, the staff that remains will be doing double the work while Big John hopes for better results. Uh, it feels like there's a gap in his line of reasoning. And uh, shots fired at the gap. Anyway, let's move on to on-the-field sadness. Liam Hendricks won AL Reliever of the Year, which is great news for Liam and very well-deserved. He had a great, great season for the A's, and he's been doing it for a couple of years now, so good job on Liam. Uh, it also uh, basically eliminates any hope that the A's had at retaining him, so that's the sadness. And uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, again, congrats to Liam Hendricks on his AL Reliever of the Year award, but damn it. Um, Hendricks is going to be getting a huge payday this offseason, uh, COVID-free agent market allowing, obviously. Uh, one of our listeners, Brian, actually suggested to myself and a bunch of other uh, people that uh, the A's extend Liam Hendricks the qualifying offer in order to pick up a draft pick when he signs elsewhere, because the A's will probably not be signing him for any amount of decent money uh, if, you know, Unless he falls into their lap. But uh, if you heard the last four minutes of the podcast, uh, it doesn't seem like they're spending lots of money, you guys. So Liam Hendricks, effectively gone. So I know that the the, the idea of offering him a qualifying offer sounds great. You get a draft pick out of it when he signs somewhere else. That's great. But with the uncertainty of the market out there, I don't know that the A's front office wants to take an $18 million chance on retaining Hendricks for one season. Uh, if he accepts, that's great, but there are still a lot of holes on the roster to fill, and uh, the closer is taking up roughly 20% of the team payroll, and that may not bode well for constructing the best team that they can. That is a big chunk of money, especially for the A's, and uh, especially with how things seem to be going right now with them cutting uh, staff and all that stuff. So I don't know that that is the proper way to spend $18 million on uh, the 2021 Oakland A's. Uh, I, I think that there's no guarantee that he'd reject the offer, which is kind of what you want if you offer it to him. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that the front office would be willing to potentially sacrifice a year with Chapman and Olsen under contract for reasonable sums uh, in their first year of arbitration in order to get a draft pick that may pan out in five years. Uh, they got to utilize the money that they have in the best ways possible to get the best return on the 2021 team. And I don't know that a draft pick that could pan out in five years is the best way to do that right now. Uh, I, I like the idea, but I don't know that the A's will make it happen because of the uncertainty on the free agent market as on a whole because of the COVID season and all that stuff and, you know, revenues being down and blah, 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 blah. Uh, if teams are expected to cut roughly 10% of their staffs all across the board, then that doesn't bode well for a lot of big free agent signings this winter. Um, my guess, and this is purely a guess, is that Hendricks will get something in the 
three years, $45 million range. I think that that would be a decent sum of money for him uh, as a closer who's working like 60 games a year or something like that. And also take into account a little bit of the the COVID-depressed market a little bit. Uh, So I think that that's probably around what he's looking at. And would one year at 18, it'd be a higher average annual value one year at 18 than the three years at 45. But you get three years of guaranteed money, uh, which accounts for injury or a little bit of a, a regression in performance and all that stuff. So uh, would he take the qualifying offer? Maybe. It's not off the table if it's on the table, you know? And I think that if the A's offered him the qualifying offer, then they would want him to reject the offer is my take on it because that's a lot of money to be paying your closer. And, uh, you know, the A's don't usually spend a lot of money on relief pitching. Uh, Remember that one time that they brought on a $10 million reliever by the name of Jim Johnson? That did not go well from the get. Uh, Fans do not like Jim Johnson, and they kind of feel bad for him Uh, at, at the time and even now, Jamile Weeks never panned out. So, oh, well, you know, it's not our money. Um, so, yeah, that's that was fun. So, usually the A's go in like the $6, 7000000 million range and get, you know, some decent arms. Uh, I think Hendricks is going to be, I think he's priced himself out of the, the A's markets with how he has performed in the last couple of years. So, I don't think he's coming back uh, regardless. But if they offer him the qualifying offer, maybe. But that's a lot of money to be eating up the A's payroll. And I think that they can make a better team without him potentially if they have 18 million dollars to work with on that front so and i mean they usually go after guys like uh birch smith who they traded for in spring training we had never heard of birch smith i i sure hadn't and i'm pretty sure that most A's fans had not as well and he was great for the A's before he went down with the forearm strain so uh, i think that that's probably the route that they're going to be going under or going after and uh getting guys that are under contract for low sums of money that have years of team control at those low sums of money. I think that that's probably the route that they're going to be more comfortable with than the one-year $18 million reliever because relievers are so volatile. And I know Liam Hendricks has been great for the A's, but if he doesn't have it next year and you're paying him $18 million, eh, crap, you know? Uh, So I think that they'd rather have a stockpile of guys for $10 million than, uh, you know, one guy for 18 and putting a lot of chips in that in that front there. So, uh, that, that's my take on that. So, uh, that's the, that's the bad news from the A's weekend. And, uh, next week I'm going to be talking about some of the bullpen arms that the A's should target this off season. So make sure you tune into those. They'll be starting. I'll probably make a whole week out of it. So Monday through Friday, I got bullpen targets for you guys, getting you ready for the A's off season flurry of trades and free agent signings and, you know, action. They are going to be busy. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. But coming up in just a minute, I'm going to be talking about the World Series, where it stands, what I'd like to see. So stay locked in with Locked on A's. I'll be right back. Today's episode of Locked on A's is brought to you by the best tasting protein bar ever. That's Built Bar, and the improved Built Bar is even more delicious than previous iterations. So they have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors, including, I'm going to go with orange. Orange sounds great. That little orange flavoring is so delicious. I really, really enjoy it. 
you can't go wrong with any of these flavors, if I'm being completely honest with you guys. And, uh, you know, when you cover anything in 100% chocolate, how can you go wrong? Also, these bars are soft and easy to chew and are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. These bars are fantastic, and all you have to do to get your hands on some is go to BeltBar.com, and you can use promo code LOCKEDON. That is one word, LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. You use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BeltBar.com, and you get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. You can throw your bars in your cooler and you can carry them around the house whenever you want a treat. You're like, hey, I want this Built Bar right now. Boom. They're in my, my little cooler and you're all set. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, LOCKEDON. You get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Ice Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. And also, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, give me your trade proposals. Give me who you want me to go after in free agency. We're going to build a team this offseason. So it's going to be lots of fun, lots of weeks of building up the 2021 Oakland Athletics. So, uh, yeah, send in your suggestions. I, I implore you. <laughs> Um, anyways, I, I'm not going to rehash all three games of the World Series since we last spoke, but uh, I am going to get into some of the excitement because, oh my god, Game 4 was so much fun to watch. I, As I said, I was out of town on a little family vacation. We do this for uh, quote-unquote Thanksgiving every year, and uh, so I was watching it with my dad. First baseball game I've watched with my dad all season. Lots of fun, and uh, what a roller coaster of a game. Oh, geez. Uh, it was like the game between the Astros and Dodgers. Uh, what, game five, I want to say it was, uh, in 2017. Hollywood just keeps throwing out remakes all the time. This is crazy. Um, anyways, so my, my, my main story for this one is uh, when Brett Phillips came up to pinch run late in the game, I turned to my dad and I told him that Brett and I are friends on Facebook, which is actually true. We did not you know, play ball together or anything like that. But uh, when I was testing my hand at writing about another team other than the A's in like 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, I chose to write about the Astros because they were a crappy team when, uh, whenever it, it had to be 2014. And they were just, they were not good. The A's were beating the crap out of them. It was lots of fun to watch as an A's fan, but uh, they had a lot of up and coming young prospects. You may have heard of them. The, the McCullerses, the Correases, the Springerses, you know, those guys, they were up and coming. They weren't jerks yet. And uh, so I was like, Hey, uh, there's going to be lots to write about with these guys. So I, uh, I was writing about the Astros and Brett Phillips was one of the minor league players that I uh, quote unquote interviewed in this one um, for the site that I was writing for. And the reason that we're friends on Facebook is because I sent him the questions that I wanted him to respond to uh, via their messaging system and uh, because his Hotmail account wasn't working. So uh, that was kind of fun. That's a very old fashioned statement. Anyways, um, so yeah, in the brief exchanges that I've had with Brett Phillips, he is just a solid, fun-loving guy that is just really easy to root for. So when he came up and got that big hit in uh, the bottom of the ninth in game four, that was very exciting because I know that he's just a solid dude and I was very excited for him. And then when that hit just, you know, snuck by the infield, that was really cool. And then when it turned out to be the the game winning hit with Randy Rosarena scoring from first base and, you know, some mishaps in the outfield and all that stuff. And then the swipe tag that let the ball go loose at a, at a home plate. Uh, that, that was just really cool. And his reaction was priceless. Uh, Britt Phillips's reaction, obviously. Uh, he was just, oh, just 
real with his whole reaction. He's just a great guy. And uh, kudos to Britt Phillips on his big hits over the weekend, getting onto the national stage and all that stuff. Solid dude. And uh, I, I was looking for the clip on Twitter, could not find it. But I remember during the uh, the Players League, uh, I think there was like the warm-ups for the league and all that stuff. And there was a, a video of him playing as the Royals because he was still with the Royals at the time. He had not been traded to the Rays yet. And uh, the announcer, I think it was Vascursion, was like, uh, Brett Phillips known more for his glove than his offense. And then he cracked a dinger and he was just shit-talking the announcers and it was hilarious. And I was looking for that, could not find it, but it does exist. And I wanted to play that because uh, you got a big-ass hit in the World Series. So good job on Brett Phillips. That was a lot of fun. Also, just one little known fact about Brett Phillips. He's been in some deals. And uh, he was drafted by the Astros, made a name for himself. He was one of their top prospects at a time. And uh, he was part of the deal that sent Mike Fires and Carlos Gomez to the Astros and Josh Hader to the Brewers in that deal in 2015. So fairly major deal for the Astros and for the Brewers, because that one's still paying dividends for them. Uh, yeah, he was part of that deal. He was he was a sol- he, he was the guy that I thought was going to be the, the breakout star of that trade. Josh Hader is taking that cake, obviously. Uh, and Mike Fires is fine, I guess. He did throw no hitter for the Astros and the A's. Um, so he's been doing okay, too. Uh, Carlos Gomez, not so much. Anyways, uh, he was also traded by the Brewers to the Royals in part of a deal that netted Milwaukee Mike Moustakas, another pretty decent name. So, you know, his, his stock hasn't really fallen off too much. Uh, and to round, you know, everything out with his trade fronts to how he got to the Rays, he was acquired by uh, the Rays from Kansas City for former Giants prospect Lucius Fox. And if you're curious as to how Lucius Fox wound up from the Giants and into Tampa Bay, he was in the uh, deal that sent Matt Duffy and Lucius Fox of the Lucius Fox deal uh, to Tampa Bay in exchange for Matt Moore. So that's how that all happened down. So that is my game for recap and hope you enjoyed it and learned lots of stuff. Um, so basically, so far, this series has played out how I wanted it to with uh, them just exchanging wins every other one with the team that lost the last game winning the next game because I want this game to go or this series to go seven games. That's that's my goal with this series because I love it. Uh, game four was lots of fun. I want every game to be like that because I don't have a horse in the race. I'm sure that if you root for either of these teams or this has happened to teams that you root for, you don't like it, but it is very much fun for me as an impartial baseball fan that doesn't mind either of these teams winning the World Series. So uh, that is what I'm hoping for is seven games right here. Um, for game five, though, I did switch up my rooting interest just a little bit because I was hoping for the Rays to win this game, even though they had just won game four. They ended up losing. That's whatever. It's fine. Uh, the Dodgers won four to two, just in case you didn't see that yesterday. Um, and that's because it, the games that the these two teams play after off days, the Rays offense just hasn't been as potent. And I don't know that they can win a game six with their offense. Uh, if it's, you know, only putting up two or three runs. So that is uh, that is why I was rooting for them in game five to switch it up just a little bit. But that all said, I think that with the Rays bullpen getting a day or two off in some cases uh, with Monday's scheduled off day, they'll be all hands on deck for Tuesday night. And they're going to be all hands on deck for Tuesday night, no matter what, because it is a winner go home game for them. It is not a winner take all game just quite yet, but they need to make it to game seven in order to have a chance to win the World Series. So they're going to be having everybody pitching on for Game 7, uh, except for Charlie Borton, who scheduled for Game 7, uh, you would imagine, because he's on regular rest and all that stuff. Um, basically, 
right now my ideal scenario would be the Rays forcing a game seven on Wednesday, and then Clayton Kershaw comes out of the bullpen to work like three or four innings, kind of like Madison Bumgarner did in 2014. And uh, then the Dodgers clinch it that way. Uh, other than being a genuinely good dude, it would be great for Kershaw to silence all the haters that love to show him in the dugout after a sub Kershian performance. Um, I, I would really enjoy seeing Kershaw shine in a Dodgers clincher. But coming up in Game 6, it looks as though the matchup is going to be Blake Snell for the Rays going against Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers. So according to that matchup, and I don't know that that's been confirmed yet, but I think that those are the guys that are on regular rest right now. Uh, I'd give the Rays a little bit of a leg up in that particular matchup. And if you add in that they have a number of weapons that they can use out of the bullpen, uh, they can... If they can scratch out four runs, that could be enough to get them a victory and force a game seven. So uh, then you got Charlie never loses in a winner take all game Morton. And, you know, things could really get interesting in game seven. That would be a back and forth contest, probably low scoring, but who the hell knows at this point? Because both bullpens have been getting roughed up a little bit. So uh, it's going to be fun. I'm very much looking forward to just as much baseball as I can squeeze out of these, you know, last two games. If they want to play 30 innings, each night, I'm fine with that. That'd be great because, uh, as you know, I know that there's you know each day that passes we get closer to A's baseball, uh, you know, calendar wise. But at the same time, the more games that go on in the World Series, the closer the season is to being over. So it's a catch twenty two on this one. Um, I don't have a lot of insight into Game Six yet, just because I don't know who the starters are. Uh, cemented yet so i'll be talking about that a little bit more on tomorrow's podcast so uh make sure you tune in for my superb insights on that one i'm not friends with anybody else on facebook that's in this world series so uh i don't have a lot else to go on for that one (laughs) um yeah but anyways that's uh that's it for me today guys i'll talk about game six the world series tomorrow and uh probably some ace stuff I'll, i'll come up with something it'll be a lot of fun and uh yeah so that's that's coming up for tomorrow's episode but that is it for me today you guys so stay indoors celebrate good times keep wearing those masks and i'll talk to you guys tomorrow